Global Crisis Bible Prophecy Health and Preparedness You're just in time. 11th Hour Dispatch Father in heaven, we come before you in prayer now to seek your presence and your blessing as we study and consider what is going on in this world in these last days. And we ask for biblical insight and truth from on high. In Jesus' name, amen. Welcome to 11th Hour Dispatch. And we are indeed in the 11th hour of Earth's history. We're seeing incredible events happening before our very eyes. I'm Scott Ritzema, your host for this 30-minute news broadcast, where we're going to dig into the headlines and see how this might relate to biblical themes. UK Express reports, European superstate to be unveiled, EU nations to be morphed into one post-Brexit. So you heard the news about the British exit from the European Union vote last week. Well, what we're reading here is now European political chiefs are to take advantage of Brexit by unveiling their long-held plan to morph the continent's countries into one giant superstate. It has emerged today. Now, this is truly amazing because for, for many years, people have been warning that this is the actual goal of the European Union. This is not just some sort of cooperation, treaty, economic agreement, free trade union, effort to you know end uh, conflict between the nations. This is an effort to build a European superstate. As I've mentioned on the broadcast a number of times, now you see it coming out in the mainstream news. The foreign ministers of France and Germany are due to reveal a blueprint to effectively do away with individual member states, in, meaning do away with France, Germany, etc in what is being called an ultimatum. Under the radical proposals, EU countries will lose their right to have their own army, criminal law, taxation systems, or central bank, with all those powers being transferred to Brussels, meaning transferred to the European Union headquarters. Controversially, member states would also lose what few controls they have left over their own borders, including the procedure for admitting and relocating refugees. The plot has sparked fury and panic in Poland, a traditional ally of Britain in the fight against federalism, meaning in the fight against giving too much power to the European Union and individual nations retaining some of their sovereignty. So Poland and others will be alarmed by this in Europe. Wait a minute, our country's going to be gone? Well, yes, it's been a slow slide down into this uh, federal union of Europe, a United States of Europe, and they're attempting now to press on the gas pedal a little bit, really coming out and unveiling and, 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 and revealing what they've been trying to do all along, which used to be the province of conspiracy theories. You know, any talk of, well, this is really an effort to, you know, end the sovereignty of individual nations of Europe and bring about a, a European union, that was libeled and, 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 and scoffed at as conspiratorial type of talk, but it was in their open agenda from the very start. This is not some, you know, uh, silly theory. And now it's open. Mainstream media reporting 
Indeed, this is the effort in Europe. So Brexit happens and they say, well, it's, it's ultimatum time. Now we're never. We really better press forward for this union while we have a chance before others exit must be some of the thinking there. But, you know, from a biblical perspective, why this matters to the Christian? Daniel 2, once again, I've brought it up a number of times recently because it's even more relevant now than ever before. Daniel 2 says there will be no reunification of the imperial superstate domination over Western Europe. The nations of Rome divided into the ten tribes, into the kingdoms of what we know as Europe today. And it says in Daniel 2 that they shall not cleave one to another. They will not reunite, even though they will attempt to reunite. And that's what we're seeing in the news headlines right now. It's coming out. They're saying, hey, we're trying to unite one imperial uh, state here in Europe. It's truly amazing how the Bible is shown to be accurate and credible and prophetically insightful ahead of time, over and over and over again throughout history and in current events. The Bible is only raising its credibility by each passing day. And there's also prophecies, by the way, that say that in the last days there will, uh, there will not be freedom as we know it today. In Revelation 13, you read about economic controls, no buying and selling allowed unless you acknowledge the supremacy of the beast power. You want to know who that beast power is and what his mark is? Be sure to study the prophecies in great depth, BibleProphecyTruth.com great website to study the prophecies more deeply, BibleProphecyTruth.com. But the reason I bring that topic up of the loss of freedom is that presently, in America at least, we live in a constitutional republic. And the Constitution still is officially the law of the land, the supreme law of the land. But in recent years, decades, and you might even take that history back quite a long ways, there has been a, a slow creeping authoritarian bent, even here in America, that is curtailing freedoms slowly over time. And I was absolutely alarmed, shocked, horrified when I read this from a U.S. Court of Appeals judge, the Seventh Circuit of Appeals, a senior lecturer at the University of Chicago Law School. This is the opinion of the opinion makers and the judge Richard A. Posner stated in Slate.com the following. He says, and on another note about academia and practical law, I see absolutely no value to a judge of spending decades, years, months, weeks, days, hours, minutes, or seconds studying the Constitution, the history of its enactments, its amendments, and its implementation across the centuries. Well, just a little more than two centuries, he says. 18th century guys, however smart, could not foresee the culture, technology, etc. of the 21st century, which means that the original Constitution, the Bill of Rights, and the post-Civil War amendments, including the 14th, do not speak to today. I hope you grasped what he was just saying there. Let me sum it up in layman's terms. Basically, the fundamental law of the land, that which governs the government, the Constitution, that which Thomas Jefferson called the chains of the Constitution that are placed around any would-be tyrant, that constitutional law that limits the power and authority of uh, out-of-control, lawless government, that Bill of Rights which secures and protects according to the law of the land, 
fundamental rights, that document that we so appreciate, the U.S. Constitution, according to this particular U.S. Court of Appeals judge, this is, this is not some small fry here, lecturer at the University of Chicago Law School, just said that there is no reason for a judge to study the Constitution for even a second. That was, that was his, his word exactly. Let me read that part again. This is, this is so surprising that they would actually say this. We are coming upon a time where the liberties listed in the Bill of Rights, freedom of religion, freedom of speech, and so on, that we have so cherished, that opinion today is moving away from the Constitution having any meaning, meaning at all. He says, I see absolutely, absolutely no value to a judge of spending decades, years, months, weeks, days, hours, minutes, or seconds studying the Constitution. He says, 18th century guys could not foresee our time, and so the Constitution, quote, does not speak to today. Why share this one particular quote? Because this reflects an idea that has been growing for quite some time in academia. When I was doing my master's program in political science, history, economics, when I was studying these matters as a teacher of these fields in the, in the high school level, I was absolutely discouraged, maybe would be a better word, saddened. I mean, you have to mourn at this moment when you're going, wait a minute, many people died for, you know, in, 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 in the military for what they believed they were defending in these freedoms. And these, these, these are the very basis for the principles of religious liberty and freedom of conscience and the ability that we have to exercise, free exercise of religion according to the First Amendment and to not have an established religion enforced upon us. I mean, these principles are as important as the very character of God because his character is one of freedom. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Because he is a God of love. And a God of love doesn't use coercive force to impose. He wants a free will offering of love and obedience and worship because he is supreme and worthy. And if you haven't caught that picture, if you haven't studied into the word of God about what is God really like, his character of love and permitting of freedom in his universe. I mean, what a captivating view and understanding that he's not some wicked tyrant authoritarian deity just squashing people and in, 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 in exercising some sort of um, authoritarian will over people's minds. No, he's granted us freedom. He has the right to control and dictate because he's God. And even then, it's more amazing how loving indeed he is. But these principles of freedom, they're so important in human society. It's the best way to have a pluralistic society with people from many different viewpoints and walks of life and religious beliefs. America was founded on these very principles. In Europe, they didn't get that way back then. And, and apparently today with a super state model coming in. And anyway, that's that's the news we covered already. But, you know, the idea of merging of church and state and there was enforcement of religious observances. And if you wanted to be of a dissenting viewpoint in a, a religion that was not authorized by the state, well, that would to the stake with you and you'd be burned alive. Okay, so America was founded with the idea of freedom. The Constitution was founded to protect these liberties. And that's why this quote is so concerning to me that the U.S. Constitution does not speak to today and that there would be no reason for a judge to study it. So apparently, it's up now to the whims of men and their collective uh, consensus opinion on what, what's in vogue in the uh, 
legal professions and constitutional law, although I guess we wouldn't call it constitutional anymore because the Constitution is not relevant. In fact, most of constitutional law, you're not actually studying the Constitution. That's what I learned at the master's level. It's like, wait a minute, I thought we were going to study the Constitution here, but most of constitutional law is just studying the opinions of previous judges instead of understanding the original intent of the Constitution. Anyway, this is a serious quote. It doesn't mean something's happening like tomorrow, although the Supreme Court did just make an important ruling over, overruling a state, the state of Texas's uh, regulations on the abortion industry. The Supreme Court said, nope, you can't have those regulations. You have to make it as, as, as easy and permissible for women to have an abortion as possible. So, yeah, I guess these things are happening right before our very eyes. Sometimes I find myself not wanting to overstate it, and, you know, you want to be cautious in the in the verbiage you use, but this is an alarming world we live in, and history is speeding up. So, right before our very eyes, the Constitution seems to be peeling away in terms of its significance. Liberty is under fire, and who knows what when that next great crisis will happen that will have people crying out for a political savior for a governmental solution to the problems that ail our society. And all of a sudden, the power and the authoritarian stream of the state will subsume even more those precious freedoms, those scarce liberties that remain, like this one that I'll get to after the break. Colorado Springs Gazette reports on a advertisement that was purchased by a pastor with Jesus written on it, exercising freedom of speech and religion, plastering a um, uh, promoting of Jesus uh, advertisement up. We'll see what the city had to say about that. To financially support this broadcast, visit 11thHourDispatch.com or write to us at 11333 Bacchus Road, Lakeview, Michigan, Four eight eight five zero. What does it take to raise spiritually strong young people in our homes? Well, the George Barna research results are in. Parents who have had actual measurable success, who have raised their children to become solid Christian young adults, these parents engaged in what George Barna referred to as God talk. They actually talked about spiritual things naturally, continually. Religion wasn't merely a component of their lives, it saturated their lives. Any parents with children in the home need to know this. Write down the DVD title and share it with them right away. It's called How to Raise the Remnant. Now, more than ever, parents are in desperate need of solid biblical counsel to guide us back to God's plan for raising godly children in these last days. Visit 11thHourDispatch.com and use promo code RADIO for a reduced suggested donation rate. Wonderful, merciful Savior, precious Redeemer and friend, who would have thought that a lamb could rescue the souls of men? Rescue the souls of men. And we're back. This is 11th Hour Dispatch, and the website is 11thHourDispatch.com. You can listen to all the previous broadcasts right there on MP3, download them, podcast it, however you want to listen. We're broadcasting on radio airwaves all throughout this 
fair lands. And uh, on the topic of freedom and liberty today, it's so important because once again, we have truths of the Bible to practice, to believe, to preach, to share, which might not be considered correct by others. They might even offend. So the city of Colorado Springs said Monday that it is reviewing the advertising policies of Mountain Metro Transit after a local pastor was told his advertisements on bus benches in Colorado Springs would be barred if they used the name Jesus. Lawson Purdue, a pastor at Karis Christian Center in West Colorado Springs for 15 years, said he was told if the name Jesus was allowed, hate messages would have to be allowed too. Last week, Purdue was told by Mountain Metro Transit that after his contract expires on July 10, his advertisements will no longer be allowed to include Jesus. Because, by the way, after all, one person complained about the advertisements. Somebody who doesn't believe in Jesus called up the Mountain Metro Transit, the people that organized the purchase of advertisements on the benches of the bus stops. And he had one there that said Jesus on it. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And somebody complained. This is offensive to somebody. And so, nothing offensive may be permitted. You see, he, he, the argument was, if you allow this, you have to allow hate speech. And so, all of this about curtailing the freedom of speech because somebody might be offended is now moving into the territory, and has been for some time, moving into the territory of removing religious freedom. But the city is reviewing it, and it appears that the city is going to slap the wrist of this mountain metro transit and say, no, they have the freedom of speech and religion to be able to put this advertisement out there promoting their church's website and, and the um, truth of Jesus Christ. But speaking of freedom of speech-related issues, this was another, I mean, we're just like just piled up with news today of a very important nature. Democratic Party platform calls for prosecuting global warming skeptics, says the headline. And by the way, when I bring up a political party, that's not an effort to take sides and say this party good, that one bad. This is not a show promoting a political ideology or political party or candidate at all. We're tracking news headlines as it relates to the Bible and Bible truths, especially today, the principle of freedom of conscience and freedom of religion, freedom of speech. And so to see one of the two major political parties put in their party platform, this is their statement of beliefs. This is like their list of absolutes, things that we all agree on and we're going to push for. I couldn't believe what I was reading here. Democratic operatives responsible for creating their party's platform this year have unanimously adopted a provision calling for the Department of Justice to investigate companies who disagree with Democrats on global warming science. A panel of Democrats voted Friday to approve a final draft of the party's platform to promote, quote, progressive Democratic values, which apparently includes investigating energy companies who, quote, mislead shareholders about global warming. This is the actual statement from the Democratic National Convention's website. Quote, another joint proposal calling on the Department of Justice to investigate alleged corporate fraud on the part of fossil fuel companies who have reportedly misled shareholders and the public on the scientific reality, scientific, what they call the scientific reality of climate change, was adopted by unanimous consent to be added to the party platform. So if you didn't catch all of that lengthy verbiage, basically it's saying that the party believes that there is a scientific fact of carbon dioxide emissions are causing global warming. Now, 
Of course, there are a whole lot of scientists that dispute that. But according to this viewpoint, anybody that disputes it is on the payroll of the oil companies and the, uh, the fossil fuel companies, rather, the coal industry and all of them. And they're putting out what they believe is misinformation and scientific fraud to promote their, their industry. So under the guise of we're, we're cracking down on corporate fraud because they can't put out anti-global warming science information, you can't have a disagreeing and dissenting viewpoint because you might profit from it. So you see how freedom of speech also is under attack. And you might say academic freedom and the, 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 the whole um, crackdown and stranglehold within academia to publish and study and advocate for a dissenting viewpoint. Like you try and be a college professor or a, a science a PhD at the college level and try and get published promoting skepticism of Darwinism, anything questioning evolutionary theory. Good luck with that. You're gonna you're not gonna get tenure. Not you're not gonna get published. You're going to get blackball, blacklisted, and and ostracized. Same thing here with this one. You hear the chorus coming from all corners of the earth, from from the Vatican itself. The Pope promoting we have a climate change problem. It is caused by excessive CO2 emissions by the uh, industries of, of of pollution, and they're causing the earth to warm, and that's going to cause catastrophic damages to the earth and rising sea levels and all of these this chaos that we're seeing and so we've got to have a global consensus on this the science is in it's definitive and then we'll move forward with global government that's what the pope called for in in his encyclical on the environment we need to have a true global political authority to enforce limitations on co2 emissions so that's the so-called consensus all the scientists agree we hear I've heard that a hundred times. Everybody agrees. Now, I don't have a position on this that I'm promoting right now. I just like the idea, as a Bible-believing Christian, of freedom. Freedom to believe and to teach and to study and to gather evidence for and to draw conclusions based upon what you see as the most reasonable conclusion from the evidence. Rather than being strong-armed into a singular groupthink viewpoint, whether that's our origins and Darwinism or whether that's this issue. These seem to be the two biggest hot button issues in scientific circles, where if you dissent from the consensus on climate change or you dissent from the consensus on evolution, then, well, you must be some sort of either corporate fraudster or maybe some sort of bigoted, hate-filled person, anti-science. I mean, you hear the smear campaign all over the place on this issue. And we'll keep our eye on that and see what happens next. But Adweek reports, shifting gears away from the freedom, liberty topics, which I enjoy so much as somebody who's gearing up for my favorite national holiday, July 4. Now, my favorite holiday of all is, of course, a biblical holiday. You might not call it a holiday. But you get to celebrate this one every week. Every week. The fourth commandment says that the seventh day of the week, every week, is sanctified and is holy. And this is my favorite day on the calendar. And we get, what, 50, 53 of them, 52 of them, and, and we get a, you get a Sabbath every week, the seventh day of the week. That's a biblical holiday. 
But our, our nation, the United States of America, where I broadcast from, celebrates next week, the 4th of July. And so this is why I spent such a considerable portion of the broadcast on the topic of liberty, freedom, the Declaration of Independence. I'll talk more about that in the coming days. But shifting gears away from that topic, Adweek reports, U.S. adults consume an entire hour more of media per day than they did just one year ago. Did you catch that? The average amount of media use for the average adult in America today is up an entire hour from just one year ago. You ready for the number? Brace yourself. The average American adult consumes a total of 10 hours and 39 minutes of media. 10 hours and 39 minutes of media per day. I'm speechless on this. I, I'm saddened by it. I'm. I, it makes me want to get out and do more media on the brain seminars, right? I mean, this is what I do pretty much every weekend, speaking at churches, traveling around the country. We've dialed back our, our family's travel schedule to try and have a little bit more balance and a little bit more local time doing, doing mission work in our hometown. But what I've done 150 times over three years, 150 media on the brain presentations, Literally every weekend for much of that time, I'm just on this mission to help people become human again, to help restore family unity, to get us off of our devices. We're on media for 10 hours and 39 minutes a day. And by the way, the UK Mail also reported this. To see just how attached we are to our smartphones, researchers at at an organization called Discount explored in-the-moment behaviors of Android users. And in this study, they found that the average person swipes, taps, and pinches their display about 2,617 times per day. 2,617 times per day, we're touching, swiping, or doing something on our phone for a grand total of 1 million times per day per year a million times per year and while digging through the data they found that the average user has 76 different phone sessions throughout the day so we're we're often often on and off our phone right it's 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 we're on it we're doing a bunch of stuff then we're off but just a couple of minutes later we're doing it again and in fact over the course of the five-day study 87 percent of participants checked their phones at least once between midnight and 5 a.m. Midnight and 5 a.m. is when we sleep, right? That the middle of the night, 87% of participants checked their phones at least once during that period. And yes, maybe a small number of people are going to bed at 1230 and they check their phones at the beginning of that period. But this is a large portion of the people who are checking their phones in the middle of the night we looked at that research the other day about how many people have it under their pillow and beside their bed and all of this. Very few actually actually estimated how accurately estimated how frequently they would tap, swipe, and click. So they asked people, how many times do you think you've been on your phone? And according to the, the researchers, 66% of them underestimated their phone obsession by a long shot. I mean, they, they had no idea how much time they were actually spending on their phone. Participant reactions to the hard numbers of their actual phone use typically started with five seconds of shock and ended with a wholehearted, 
<laughs> in other words, they had no desire to be freed from this. At first they were shocked and horrified, but then they went, okay, wait, what are the implications if I actually become concerned about this? I might have to do something about it. And this is an addiction. So most people admitted that they had very little desire to change their behavior. Then you got other news from Fox 5, Dr. Mark Caglia, patients under 40 years old now coming in for arthritis, joint problems, because we're tapping and typing and swiping and we're, we're living in this place called the virtual world with our technology. So as I always say, let's break free. Let's get out in nature. Let's get in the Word of God, the paper Bible. And let's spend time face-to-face, human-to-human, walking with Jesus and becoming more like Him. Here's Scott Ritzema with another final minute message. If you've ever noticed, a lot of the music these days is highly repetitive. Even in Christian circles, our worship songs, if you're having a mantra, saying a line over and over again, and that highly repetitive thing, according to musicologists, shuts down the human mind. Now, do you know what the word music means? Muse. Where, is that, where does that word come from? What does muse mean? It means to think. So if we're engaged in some sort of musical style that is shutting down our thinking... This is no longer music. Unless it's promoting thought, unless it's stimulating frontal lobe activity, it is not music. It's something else. It's spiritualism. In fact, we read from Juanita McElwin, a musicologist, that rock-style music bypasses the frontal lobe and our ability to reason and make judgments about it. This music, like television, can produce a hypnotic effect. Brought to you by BeltofTruthMinistries.org.